I'm convinced that the pain of life, and perhaps in some cases the disappointment of religion, has led many to conclude that the gospel is simply too good to be true. And the joy of the gospel remains beyond our grasp because our wounded hands are too tender to grasp it. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. And Colin, I guess many of us have been wounded in our faith in some way. Our hopes have been disappointed, or maybe we had a distorted picture of what our life was going to be like, even what life with Jesus would be like. Or we've built on a foundation of the wrong things. Oh, we just haven't grown as we should. Today we continue our series and we're going to be looking at what it means to dare to believe. Yeah, we're looking at the story of the uh, disciples on the road to Emmaus and they say, we had hoped that this Jesus was going to be the Christ and then he's crucified. So the hopes are all dashed and there's all the pain that goes with that. And then the risen Christ appears to them and they hardly dare to believe. It just seems beyond the range. This would be too good to be true that he would actually be Christ uh, risen from the dead. So we're going to deal with the issue uh, that's in this story. Some of the pain that sometimes holds people back from believing. And of course, the wonderful truth of this story is Jesus really was risen from the dead and there was healing for the wounds of these guys. And the healing came through Christ who indeed was risen from the dead. Well, we see that in Luke chapter 24. So join us in your Bible, if you can, in the message, Daring to Believe. Here's Pastor Colin. Now look at verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus comes and he appears to them again. And he says to them, peace be with you. And they are startled and they are frightened because they thought they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your mind? You see, they've come to the position of faith, but now doubt is coming back like the arrows assaulting the castle of faith, like the earth dumping on the bulb that has been planted. And the newfound faith of the disciples is already under attack from doubt. They believe that Jesus is risen, but no sooner have they come to the point of saying, I believe, that they begin to say, well, could it just be that my mind is playing a trick? Now, some of you may have had exactly this experience. You've been born again. You've come to faith in Jesus Christ. But very, very soon after that event in your life, there's a nagging question that seems to come from outside of you, and it says, well, was that real? Did anything actually happen? Was it maybe just in your mind? How do I know that this is really God? Well, when that happens to you, rest assured, you are not alone. This is precisely what happened to the first disciples. There is this assault on the castle of faith. There is this dumping of doubt on the planted seed of faith. So Christ shows them his hands and his feet. And then we come to a fascinating statement in verse 41. Look at it with me. They still did not believe because of joy and amazement. They still did not believe 
because of joy and amazement. Now, think about what had happened to them that brought them to this position. They've left everything to follow Jesus. He's become the center of their whole world. He's opened up horizons for them that are beyond anything they had ever imagined in their little lives as fishermen. They have walked with the Son of God. They have been given the gift of everlasting life. They've discovered grace and mercy and purpose, and all of it flows from Jesus. Then everything fell apart. Judas defected. The disciples ran for their lives in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus was taken out to Calvary and crucified. Perhaps the disciples were looking for a miracle to happen, even while he was hanging on the cross, for God to intervene in some way and deliver him. But it never happened. And they had to stand there while in the middle of the day, darkness covered the land. Not light from heaven. Darkness. Then they had to hear the one in whom they had put their trust say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? you imagine hearing the one in whom you've put your trust say that? If God's forsaken him, where does that leave me? Then they hear him say, I thirst. I mean, this is the one who has said to the woman at the well, anyone who drinks of the water that I can give will never thirst again. That's what he said. And now he says, I thirst. Then he says, it is finished. And we know that to be a great cry of triumph, but if you had been one of the disciples standing at the bottom of the cross and looking up to Jesus, you wouldn't have heard it that way. You would have said, that's right, it's finished. They hear him turn to John and and, and commend the care of his mother to John and says to his mother that John's going to be like a son to her. He's bowing out. He's gone. Then he says, Father, into your hand I commit my spirit. He breathed his last. Then his lifeless body's taken down from the cross. The corpse becomes cold. Rigor mortis sets in, the body is laid in a tomb, and everything they had lived for is utterly destroyed. Every word of Jesus seems to have fallen to the floor. Everything in which they have put the whole trust and center of their lives has imploded on them. And that was two days ago. And now Jesus is standing right in front of them and he's showing them his hands and his feet. And Luke tells us that they did not believe because of joy and amazement. After all the devastation of seeing him on the cross, they hardly dared to believe that this incredible miracle which, if it were true, would transform everything for them, could actually have happened. Some years ago, I had a most unfortunate experience with a dentist. It was in England, so I don't want you to worry. 
but he was, he was working away towards the back of my mouth, and his drill slipped, and he drilled a hole in my tongue. And it, it's a painful experience for a preacher to have a stitched tongue, but uh, that was how it was. Shortly after that, we came over here. Do you know? No, that wasn't the reason. I, <laughs> Do you know, it took me a long time to go and visit the dentist for the first time after we came here. And Karen said to me, you really ought to go and see the dentist. You know, he's very good. I said, oh, you know, I'll maybe go next month. <laughs> Painful experiences make it very, very hard to trust. Once bitten, twice shy. Or let's take a more serious example. Consider a woman. Let's call her Catherine. She's very attractive. She has a gentle personality. A guy called Steve calls her for a date. Over a period of three months, they become very close. He loves her, he says. He's very kind to her. He wins her trust. And gradually, he begins to change. He undermines her confidence. He abuses Catherine's trust. And she feels trapped because Steve is a powerful person and she does not feel that she can get free from him. Besides, their lives have become interlocked and so she wonders if maybe the problems are all her fault anyway. Finally, she gets free from him. And it's an enormous relief. And she looks back and she says, oh, that was oppressive. That was a terrible, terrible thing. That was five years ago. Now there is another man who is truly in love with her. He is everything that she would look for in a man, but after her last experience, she holds back. The offer of his love seems too good to be true. It won't work for me, she says. Painful experiences make it hard to trust. Imagine yourself at the edge of a river that you have to cross. You can't cross it in one step, but above there is a bough of a tree that you can easily grasp. There's only one problem. You have a great painful gash in your hand. The problem is not in the strength of the tree. The problem in you laying hold of it lies in the pain that has been previously inflicted on your hand. You say, I can't grasp it. I can't grasp it. Someone says, you must. You say, I can't. That's where the disciples were. They saw Jesus, and for him to be alive was the one thing they wanted more than anything else in all the world. But the pain that they had been through in these last few days was so deep within them. And they wanted it to be true so badly that they didn't, didn't, didn't let go and believe. The defense mechanisms kick in. Don't set yourself up for more pain. You've been disappointed before. They did not believe because of joy and amazement. It just seemed too good to be true. Well, we're going to pause here for a moment. We'll come right back to the broadcast. Maybe you've missed some of the early part of the broadcast, or maybe you can't stay till the end. You can always catch up on any of these messages by going to the Open the Bible website. That's openthebible.org.uk. Now back to Pastor Colin. Now I'm convinced that the pain of life 
and perhaps in some cases the disappointment of religion, has led many to conclude that the gospel is simply too good to be true. And so we hear it from the pulpit, and we become used to it, but we hear it like we hear the adverts, with great caution. And the joy of the gospel remains beyond our grasp because our wounded hands are too tender to grasp it. Now that's where the disciples were. They'd love to think it was true, but they said, we didn't believe it. Too good to be true. Now what can you do about that position? You get to this point in a message when you're preparing it and you start searching the passage and say, well, what did they do about it? Because what they did about it is what you can do about it. And you see what they did about it? I can't find anything that they did about it, do you? But I find something that Jesus did about it. Look at it there. Verse 45. He opened their minds so that they could understand the Scriptures. See, were these good folks who had a Bible. They understood many things. They knew the Ten Commandments and all that stuff. But they had never really grasped the wonder and the glory of what it was that God was doing for them in Jesus Christ. That's why I've called our prescription today waiting on God, because the courage to believe is a gift from God. You, Faith is not forced from within. You come and you ask God for it, and he gives it to you. And the way he gives it to you is as he opens your eyes to understand what he's already revealed in the Scripture. You can come to him today. You can come to him right now. You can say, oh, Lord, open my eyes. I'm one of these folks who stands back because I feel like it's too good to be true. Open my eyes and help me to believe. Put me in the position where I could say, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Jesus opened their minds so that they understood the heart of the gospel for the very first time. And my prayer is that in the very last moments now of this series, that God would do precisely that as we look at what Jesus said in just a few brief moments together. He told them, verse 46, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And then he goes on to spell out what it means for them. He speaks first, verse 47, about repentance. That means real change from the inside. If Jesus is alive, then it really is possible for you to change. He changed a mean, selfish, twisted tax collector and made him a generous giver. That's a miracle. He did that. He took a man who'd been religious all his life but never entered into a personal relationship with God and brought him into a new birth. That's a miracle. Jesus did that. He took, would take shortly after this a man who was a violent religious extremist and changed him to become the apostle 
to the Gentiles, the Apostle Paul. Jesus did that. Now, if Jesus is dead, none of that is possible. But if Jesus is alive, then this inner change that the Bible calls repentance is possible for you. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. That means that you, by the power of Jesus, can break free from the ingrained patterns of sin that hold you. And some of us right now are saying, that's too good to be true. I didn't believe it. I've been longing for that all my life. Well, you're right where the disciples were until he opened their eyes. It's me. I'm alive. And what I've done in the Gospels, I can do for you. That's why repentance is to be preached. Because you can change by the power of Jesus Christ. Not only repentance, but forgiveness. There's no greater expression of love than the readiness to forgive. Right at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, he says, the Spirit of God is upon me to proclaim the year of God's favor. God's going to wipe out people's debts. He's going to wipe the slate clean of every offense against him. Forgiveness isn't a legal thing here. It is a relational thing. It is God saying, I love you, and I want things to be right between us. I want to end the alienation. I want you to spend eternity with me. And so I'm going to go through all the pain that is involved in remitting what has been done against me, because what matters most to me is that you should be reconciled. That we should be at one together. Have you ever known what it is to be forgiven? For someone you've hurt to love you more than the power of the hurt. To reach out through the pain of the hurt to embrace you. That is what God has done in Jesus Christ. That is what the pain of the cross is all about. And someone may be saying right now, the idea that God loves me just seems too good to be true. I've been looking for that kind of love all my life. I didn't believe it. You're right where the disciples were until Jesus opened their eyes. Do you see in the scriptures that God is reaching out to you in Jesus Christ, opening the possibility of change by his power and forgiveness that will bring you into a relationship with him? And notice that it is in and through Jesus Christ, verse 47, in his name, the power comes from him. God's forgiveness flows to you through his death and his resurrection. Forgiveness is not just God saying, oh, well, we'll forget about your sins. No, they don't really matter. No, it comes out of the real wounds of Jesus. It's a reconciliation of real alienation. It's the removal of real guilt. And it comes out of the agony of the cross. And it would not come apart from him, but it does come to you through him if you will put your faith in his name. And it's for all nations. Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name for all nations, verse 47. And you know, the greatest deception I think that Satan ever works among us 
is this idea that the good news of Jesus is just for certain types of people. You notice how easy it is for us always to see this as relevant to someone else. So the poor in the city think it's for the middle class in the suburbs. And the middle class in the suburbs who feel very well off think that it's what the poor in the city really need. The Muslim in the East says, Jesus is not for me, I already have my religion. And the secularist in the West says, Jesus is not for me because I am not religious. Folks who are young say, I'll get to it when I'm old. Folks who are old characteristically say, it's really good for the young. When your life is in a mess, you think this is for people who are sorted out. When you're sorted out, you say to yourself, I don't need this. This is for people whose lives are in a mess. Satan's greatest deception is to say, it's not for you. You're not the type. And that's how it is until Christ opens your eyes. The good news of repentance and new life and forgiveness in Jesus' name is for all people. Can you take this in and can you receive this today? Christ came to change you. Christ reaches out in love to you. God sent his son into the world for you. Christ died to bring you to God. Jesus lives for you. And he wants to fill you with his spirit and to lead you into a new life in his name. The wonder of it is beyond what a human mind can fully comprehend. But don't let the wonder of it hold you back. Let the wonder of it lead you to Jesus. Will you come to him? Pastor Colin Smith ending our series Faith with Questions with the question, will you come to Jesus today? If you don't know Jesus, you can indeed do that today. The message, Daring to Believe, was the final part in our series, Faith with Questions, dealing with the darkness of doubt. If you missed any of the series, you can always go back to any of the messages in this month's series on the website openthebible.org.uk. And from today, May the 1st, there's something new on the website. Every day, Sue McLeish will be reading Pastor Colin Smith's daily devotional. This is just a short reading, two and a half to three minutes, and there's a fresh one every day on openthebible.org.uk. Open the Bible is able to remain online and on the radio because of your generosity. We want to send you Pastor Colin Smith's book, Six Hours That Changed the World, as a thank you for your regular monthly donation of £5 or more. Colin, how could someone best use this book? Well, the six hours that changed the world, of course, are the six hours that Jesus was hanging on the cross. And during that time, he spoke seven times. And each time he spoke, he gave an insight into what he was actually doing on the cross. So one way in which this book could be used 
is that you could read one of the sections in each of the seven days leading up to Easter. And that would take you into the heart of what Jesus was doing on the cross, what he accomplished, why he was there, and what difference it makes for you. And for families, this would be very simple. It would take about five minutes to read one of these sections. You could do that each day in the week leading up to Easter, and it would really help all of your family to see what it was that Jesus accomplished on the cross and why it changes everything for all who believe. Well, Colin's book is called Six Hours That Changed the World, and we'd like to send you a free copy as a thank you gift for your regular donation of £5 per month or more. You can find details of this offer and how to make your donation on our website, openthebible.org.uk For Pastor Colin Smith, I'm David Pick and we hope you'll join us next time on Open the Bible. This program is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible. That's the end of our series, Faith with Questions. Join us for Snapshots of a Godly Life next time on Open the Bible.